Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Good morning, Bridgewater Church family, and welcome. Welcome to everybody online. It is exciting to be able to dig in to this incredible psalm that David wrote that we simply know as Psalm 23, The Lord is My Shepherd. We've been diving into this psalm now for several weeks, and I'm wondering, how are you doing with it? Are you finding comfort? I was talking with a new friend just this week, and he reached out in an email and said, I'm loving Psalm 23. And then he wrote this. He said, it is exactly what I needed in this season of my life. That's my prayer for you. That Psalm 23 and the five unforgettable truths that David shares is transforming your life from the inside out. So let's do a quick review. In week one, the first truth that we learned was this. The good shepherd refreshes me. Week two, David taught us that the good shepherd refines me. Last week, we learned that the good shepherd reassures me. But now, today, I think this is perhaps one of the most essential promises and truths that David can share with us in this verse. Today we're going to learn that the Good Shepherd revives me. Let's look at Psalm 23, and you know what we've been doing every week. We've been reading all of it and then adding the verse for the day. Let's begin in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here's the verse for today. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I was reading a story that I had had in my file by a pastor named Jim Cimbala. He's pastored the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York City. Think about this. This year is his 50th year. And he wrote several, several years ago a story in his young life when he had just gone to the church in Brooklyn. And as he was working so hard to to understand how to take a dying church of 30 people and transform it into a healthy place where lives are changed, he became so overwhelmed that he was sick. Physically, the stress was was taking its toll. He even developed a cough, and his in-laws invited him to Florida for a time of refreshment. And He was out on a party boat one day, didn't really want to go, but he was out there just to try to drink in the fresh air, and 
as he was on the boat, he began to pray, and he said, Lord, I'm not able to do this. I'm not able to help my church become the church that you want it to be. I don't know anything. I, I don't understand. I haven't been trained. All I know is that Carol and I are in the middle of New York City with people dying on every side of us, overdoses from heroin, consumed by materialism, and the gospel if it is so powerful, I just don't know how to communicate. He could hardly finish the sentence when he began to choke back the tears. And then quietly, forcefully, he began to sense God speaking. And this is what he heard in his heart and his mind. Jim, if you and your wife will lead my people, God said, if you'll lead them to pray and call upon my name, you will never lack for anything fresh to preach. All the money that you need, I will supply, both for the church and your family. And you'll never have a building large enough to contain the crowds that I'll send in response. Jim Cimbala simply said, I knew I heard from God. And in that moment, God revived his spirit and his life. The good shepherd was with him. And today, 50 years later, there is an incredible prayer time every Tuesday night. I've had the opportunity to be there. It's powerful. It's life-changing. And they reach more than 10,000 people every week. Now, how did it all happen? Because the good shepherd revives us. Think about the word revive. It's a verb. It means to activate, to set in motion, to renew and restore. And I simply have a question. Do you need the good shepherd to revive you? Are you tired? Are you physically overwhelmed? Is stress taking its toll? Do you have some type of a health problem? Are there family issues that you're dealing with? Is there just too much that you've been trying to juggle and, and you're exhausted? You, you've got too many plates in the air that are spinning and falling and, and, and your life is just crashing around you, do you need revival? If you do, then David has some incredible words for you. In fact, the way that we're going to look at this today, we're going to take Psalm 23 verse 5 and break it into three very significant parts. And as we do, I want you to think of these pieces of, of verse 5 as gifts from God. If we need God's revival, then God wants to give us gifts that only the good shepherd can give. And I do want to warn you, there's a lot of scripture from God's word today. Now, I, it's not my MO to, to add all of this, but it's crucial, and I'm going to show you why. So you may want to have your Bible near you. We're going to put it on the screen for you, but I want you to dig deep as God prepares to revive us and give us unforgettable gifts that we need for the journey ahead. So let's get started. Psalm 23, 5, part A. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Let me just read it again. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Here's the first gift God gives. The good shepherd revives my peace. 
Now, as David is writing, there's two images that are in his mind. First, as a shepherd, he's thinking about the grazing sheep in green pastures in the lowlands. And then he's going to take them up to greener tablelands. I love what Philip Keller says in his book called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. He describes the high mountain country of the summer ranges. They're mesas, they're open for the sheep to graze and enjoy just being calm and serene. But there's something they don't realize. The good shepherd knows that in this open tableland, that's where predators can come and attack the sheep. But that's why the good shepherd is there. The watchful eye of the shepherd is out for any enemies that would try to kill the sheep. David understood this beautifully because we read in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 34 through 37, that David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine, by the way, we're talking about Goliath, He'll be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Understand this. Oftentimes, as the sheep following the good shepherd, we allow ourselves to become overwhelmed by the things of life. We become distracted by our fears. I want you to picture in your mind a beautiful flock of sheep that are grazing with no worries, no fears, no disturbances. Why? Because the shepherd is overseeing them and reviving their peace. They have a peace that passes all understanding. They don't even know why. They just know that they're not alone and they're being protected. That's exactly what David has in his mind as he's talking about this table that God sets. There's a peace that comes in putting our hearts in God's hands. And that's why there's another thought in his mind. As a young man preparing for his royal calling, David knew that God had anointed him and called him to be king. Now, I want you to think about this as we're here in this chapter. In fact, I'm going to take you all the way back to 1 Chronicles 12, 38 through 40. Okay. Let me start right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to start over and you can... Okay. Off, on, off. You know, I feel like it's the 70s and disco fever is playing somewhere. Matt, Matt had, oh, there it is.
You don't think it's the cord? Matt had to boot and reboot it. Let's just try it. No, I mean let's just preach. Yeah, let's just preach. Let's just see. It's on. If it does it again, we'll reboot it. Okay. But there's another scene in David's mind. This table that God had set for him wasn't just the table land that sheep were grazing at. He's now thinking as well of his anointing as king. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verses 38 through 40, there's a wonderful scene from David's young life when God is beginning to amass an army for this soon-to-be new ruler of Israel. Listen to these words. All these were fighting men who volunteered to serve in the ranks. They came to Hebron fully determined to make David king over all Israel. All the rest of the Israelites were also of one mind to make David king. The men spent three days there with David, eating and drinking, for their families had supplied provisions for them. Also, their neighbors from as far away as Issachar, Zebulun, and Nepetali came bringing food on donkeys, camels, mules, and oxen. There were plentiful supplies of flour, fig cakes, raisin cakes, wine, olive oil, cattle, and sheep, for there was joy in Israel. Get this picture in your mind. When David is writing in this psalm, and David is saying to us, God, good shepherd, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He's thinking as a young man how sheep were protected on these open mesas and how he had been the protector of the flock as God set the table for the sheep. But then he, he morphs, he thinks about as a young anointed man becoming and getting ready to be king, how God began to amass an army. People began to help him be, fulfill his purpose and his role and then all the supplies that they needed were there. And I guarantee this, David knew God's peace. God revived David's peace. I can remember as, as a child, I was sitting in the living room with my dad late at night. We lived in, in an apartment at the time. My mom was an assistant manager, so we were living here in this wonderful apartment, but late at night, there was a knock on the door, and I started to get up as a young teenager to go and answer the door. But my dad had said, no, just sit down. And my dad went to open the door, and there was a man on the other side who began to try to push his way in. He was inebriated. He was, he, he, he was just overloaded with alcohol. And I can remember my dad saying, in the name of Jesus, you are not coming in this apartment. And my dad, who, who was not athletic, my dad had the strength of 10 men and pushed the man out and locked the door. It left an impression on my mind that I haven't ever forgotten. And here's the reason. Just like David was the protector of the sheep, just like God was giving strength to David as he prepared 
to become king of Israel, just like my own dad who protected his family, God revives our peace. But I don't want you to miss this. Priscilla Shire says this incredible uh, insight. She shares this. When we talk about the peace of God, don't think of singing and swaying and holding hands in a circle. The peace of God is strong, intense, tangible, and real. You can sense its stable presence giving you inner security despite insecure circumstances. Jesus himself said in John 16, verses 32 through 33, he told his disciples, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. God is our shepherd. Think about this. It's incredible. God is there setting a table for us. A table of peace. A table of blessing. God is with us and wants to revive us even in the midst of our struggles. Now, there's another gift that God wants to give. David writes it just as he continues to be inspired by God. He goes on to say, Good shepherd, you anoint my head with oil. Now, this is important to us. It's just so poetic. But it's more than a poem. It's even greater, perhaps, than a single line in a prayer because the second gift that God is sharing is this, the good shepherd revives my joy. David has three memories, I think, that are, are in his mind. He's going to go back again as the shepherd of the flock. I didn't know this until I began to dig deep into this verse. Perhaps you're aware that in David's day and still today, shepherds anoint sheep with oil. I, I'm like, Really? Whose job is that? And then I, I'm digging into this and I'm thinking, well, why in the world would you anoint sheep with oil? Here's one reason. Because when rams are looking for their use, they began to fight and headbutt. And, and their stubborn and strong will comes out as they're pursuing one of the girls of the flock. Shepherds anoint ram's heads with oil so they don't get locked into a fight they can't win. Interesting, isn't it? What about this? Shepherds anoint sheep because of nose flies. Now, there's an interesting tidbit. I'm like, well, I've, I've seen sheep, I've seen cows, I, they're out, flies are buzzing all around, they seem to do okay, but for sheep, they need to be anointed with oil so that the nose flies don't deposit larvae, causing inflammation and infection. If the eggs are laid by these flies and they begin to birth, a sheep can become so 
overwhelmed with pain that the sheep commit suicide. There's another reason. They anoint sheep to kill parasites that create internal disease and ultimately kills the sheep. In David's day, I thought this was so interesting, David as a shepherd would have anointed his sheep with olive oil to prevent all of these things. Now, think about James chapter 5. Let's skip over to the New Testament. I'm sure you're ready for a different image in your mind anyway. James writes, is any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Interesting, isn't it? David had in his mind, as he was thinking about and writing this verse, that the good shepherd revives our joy and anoints us with oil for protection, health, and forgiveness. What about another memory? Let's go back to the king's table. He's thinking about how Samuel anointed him to become the king. He would be the head of the table. People would follow David, and in his mind, he's realizing that the anointing that he had to become king and to lead Israel meant that he didn't need to just be anointed on the outside. He needed to be anointed from the inside out. I found a beautiful picture of this in the New Testament in 1 John chapter 2, verses 26 through 27, John writes, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him, talking about Jesus, remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Think about that. Just as David was anointed to be king, just as David was called by God from the inside out to lead God's people, you and I, when we follow the good shepherd Jesus Christ, we are revived by God's joy from the inside out. We're anointed by the Holy Spirit's power to follow God and follow his truth. It's incredible. But there was another image in David's mind. David recalls the blessing of oil given to the guest as they entered the banquet hall of the king. When people came in, these honored guests from all over the world, their feet were washed, but then also their heads were anointed with oil. And here's the reason. The oil symbolized their welcome, but also the joy they would soon have by sharing in the meal together. It was a preparation of cleansing people's hearts and minds to be prepared to celebrate with the king. Look at 2 Corinthians 1, 20-22. Paul writes, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. 
And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Here it is. Grab it. Just rejoice in it. He anointed us and set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Do you see the third image that David has in his mind? He says, the good shepherd anoints my head with oil. What is he talking about? David could see all the way into the future where through Jesus, his death and resurrection, Dying on the cross, raising, being raised to life from the grave. He could see how the Holy Spirit is deposited in those who accept Jesus as their Savior. And the beauty of it is, then the joy of God becomes our strength. We are anointed in his presence. Jesus, the good shepherd, gives us the deposit of the Holy Spirit now, but not just to lead us in the present, but to remind us of what is to come in eternity. It's incredible. The good shepherd revives my peace, and the good shepherd revives my joy. Isaiah the prophet captures it beautifully. All of this, everything in David's mind, Isaiah the prophet beautifully writes as God inspires in chapter 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the broken to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planning of the Lord for the display of his splendor. God wants to revive you. He wants to revive us. He wants to revive his church. He wants to revive this world and help us to understand that the good shepherd sets the table before us and he anoints us with oil. He wants to transform us from the inside out. He wants our peace to pass all understanding and our joy to be our strength. But there's one more gift. Isn't this great? Just all in one verse, then David says, my cup overflows. Well, how could it not? My cup overflows. This is the third gift. The good shepherd revives my strength. When you realize that the good shepherd is your peace, and you realize that the good shepherd is your joy, then strength begins to abound. The cup that David is thinking of is essential. He served the king's cup at his table. He welcomed participants. And the king's cup was a symbol of the abundant supply of the host, that it would never run dry. I turned to Psalm 16. And in verses 5 through 8, I found this incredible description from David himself. David 
once prayed, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Like David, have you drunk from God's cup of blessing? Can you actually see how God has been in your life? David, David really surprises me. Does he surprise you? Even in the midst of terrible suffering. Don't forget, he's running from his son Absalom. In the midst of family upheaval, David could celebrate and trust in the holy provisions of God's blessings. And this is how I think he did it. David understood how important it was to put the butt in the right place. We need to understand how to put the butt where it belongs. I'll let you think about that phrase for a moment. Here's what I mean. Think of verse 5 like this. We say things like, things aren't going well, God. If things could just be easier. But I know the Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Did you see it? Wait a minute, let's do it again. I say, but things aren't going well. The butt's in the wrong place. Things aren't going well, but I know that the Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. But God, people are mistreating me. People have said things about me on Facebook. People have given me a bad review on Google. No, 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 the butt's in the wrong place. People are mistreating me, but Lord, you anoint my head with oil. What about this? So often we go, but friends and family don't understand me. I'm all alone. Again, the butt is in the wrong place. Things are tough, God. I'm struggling. I feel overwhelmed. But God, my cup overflows. The third insight and in this gift that David tells us that the good shepherd wants to give, we can't ever take it for granted. The good shepherd revives our strength. I can't revive my own strength. I can't remove all my own stress. I found during this COVID season how important my time with God every day has been more than ever. Spending time in scripture, reading through the Bible. I made a commitment at the beginning of January to strive to read the entire Bible through this year and to spend time reflecting and praying and meditating. And here's what I'm going to say. It hasn't been the easiest year for any of us. I know it hasn't been for me, but I can honestly tell you this, that each and every day the Good Shepherd has been reviving my strength. Just as, just as God renewed David's strength, God wants to revive ours. And if there's a scene, if there's one scene that we need to wrap our minds around, it would be in the New Testament just before Jesus died on the cross. He went to the Mount of Olives with his disciples. Look at Luke's 
picture of this in chapter 22. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. As Jesus prayed on the Mount of Olives, this was perhaps one of the most difficult moments in his life. The good shepherd prepared to die on the cross for your sins and mine. And I, I just can't even begin to imagine the agony he was in. Totally human, totally divine. But isn't it interesting what he prayed? Father, let this cup pass from me, be removed from me, if it's your will. But then on, on the very heels of those words, Jesus prayed, but not my will, but your will, God. And isn't it interesting that God sent an angel to strengthen him? I believe this today. The good shepherd wants to revive our strength. And the way that he does that is by reminding us of the cup of his blessing. Our cup will always overflow with the blessings of God, even in our darkest moments, our deepest valleys. And you're looking at me going, now pastor, how, how can I even really believe that? How can I know that to be true? Well, remember, we have to get the butt in the right place. We've got to decide that instead of complaining or allowing our emotions to overwhelm us. And I'm not telling you to deny how you feel. No, I'm asking you, do what Jesus did. Surround yourself with some people to pray. Be honest about how you feel. But instead of giving in to the, the dark side of those emotions, decide to be like Jesus. Pray like David. And ask God to fill you to overflowing that the cup of God's blessing and anointing would be on your life. So that, so that you're leaning into God. You're not running away from God. Jesus even said it to his disciples. I know you're exhausted. You're overwhelmed with sorrow, but get up and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. And it's in that moment of prayer, like David and like Jesus, that the Good Shepherd revives our strength. I want to do this as we close today. My heart is incredibly heavy for you because there's no way that we can look at the need to be revived 
the, the desire for peace, joy, and strength. There's, there would be no way in the world that we could dig so deeply into one verse and not become aware how much we need God to help us. So here's what I want you to do. With all the honesty, with all the transparency you can muster, I want you to stand to your feet there at home. Would you do that for me? Would you just stand at home? In fact, I'm, I'm going to walk right out here, and I want to be with you. I want it to be you and me right here together, and I'm going to ask you to put your hands out, and, and I want you to put your hands together like it's a cup. I want you to cup your hands. Hold them out, and as we pray, I want you to believe that God can fill your life with peace. He can overwhelm you with joy, and he can strengthen you in your greatest need. Can I pray for us? Father God, this verse is powerful. You've set a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You are anointing our heads with oil and our cup overflows. Father, I'm praying for those that are listening today. God, fill these empty cupped hands with peace, joy, and strength. Revive us in our weaknesses. Overwhelm us with your love and grace. God, where we're struggling and hopeless and in despair, help us to realize we are not alone. The good shepherd is with us. The table is set. And there is bounty at every turn. The blessings of God are flowing from above. Father, bless these friends Fill their hands and their hearts to, to such a degree that they can't even imagine what a love that our God has for each of us. We come to you, Good Shepherd, and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you so much. You are such a blessing. And I don't want you to think that you're on your own. If you have found this to be a challenging message, would you just reach out in the chat? Would you tell us online, I need prayer? Tell us where you're struggling. If you need something specific, if you have a prayer request that you want to share, please do that. Because we don't want you to feel alone because you're not. You're loved by God and you're loved by us. And the good shepherd is ready to lead us in paths of righteousness. I love you. And until we see each other again, take heart and be transformed. Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, 
then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.